is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. Swing and a drive! Deep left! Gone! That was as hard as a baseball can be hit. Swing and a base hit to left, and the White Sox win it! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Good afternoon and welcome in to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. You can give the gift of White Sox baseball with a holiday flex pack. Purchase six vouchers starting at 49 bucks, or upgrade to 10 vouchers starting at only $70. This upgrade offer is $100 off the regular price and only available through the holidays. Learn more at whitesox.com slash holiday packs. Welcome into the show. We got you for an hour this afternoon, the first show of December, the only show left before the winter meetings get underway tomorrow. And the White Sox and Chris Getz may well be one of, I kind of see three different centers of the winter meetings. I, I know, right? You can only have one center, but it's, it's baseball and you can kind of futz with some things every now and again. I kind of see three different centerpieces maybe of a long holiday dinner table for the winter meetings. And and I really do think that Chris Getz and the White Sox may be one of those big items right there in the middle of the table. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on the show. You want to talk a little White Sox? It's your show more than anything else. We're happy to do that with you. Uh, Some headlines from the last week. We'll cover some of those. Uh, Some rumors that are getting kicked around, both around the White Sox and the division and elsewhere in baseball, of course. I mean, what would it be if you didn't talk about Shohei Otani for at least two or three minutes during any kind of a baseball show And we'll do that a little bit later. Uh, But we also, you know, last week we knew that Paul DeYoung was going to get signed by the White Sox to be the shortstop for the 2024 team. But it hadn't been done yet. It quite literally hadn't been inked to paper yet. That has been made official since the last show, and as is uh, as is the custom for new free agents signing with teams, Paul DeYoung and the White Sox uh, hosted a um, a press conference with White Sox beat reporters. Some questions were asked, answers were given, and we've got some sound for for you from the what, what seems to be opening day, likely opening day shortstop for the White Sox in 2024, Paul DeYoung. We talked a lot about what he'd offer to the Sox from an offensive and defensive standpoint last week, kind of you know knowing this was going to happen. But now that we got the words from the man himself, we'll play some of that audio for you because I, I think it leads to some good conversation down the line here um, about what Chris Getz and the Sox are looking to acquire this offseason and what Pedro Gafal and the rest of the roster are looking to accomplish once spring training gets started, once the season gets underway. DeYoung spoke to some of those things specifically. He was also asked a question, I mean, as we talked about last week, offensively, the last couple of years for Paul DeYoung have not been the kind of production that we'd seen in the first two, three seasons while he was with the St. Louis Cardinals. And DeYoung answered some questions as to uh, what he's looking to work on, how he's trying to focus his off-season work um, in, in terms of the offensive effort. I think he may find some of that interesting. It, it speaks to um, speaks to a good understanding of who he is as a player and maybe what kind of ballpark he's going to be headed to on the south side here come summertime. Like I said, though, 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. And instead of 
you know, we'll, we'll get to Paul DeYoung a little bit later. We'll get to some of those other league-wide rumors in, in a little bit as well. Uh, but obviously, front of mind for the White Sox, for White Sox fans, and I think for a lot of people when they get to the general, uh, the winter meetings here, whether it's general managers or uh, beat reporters or, or national talking heads or what have you, I, I think the conversation around Dylan Cease is going to be one of the top three conversations at the winter meetings. Yeah, obviously, you're going to have talks about where Shohei Otani is going. And Cody Bellinger is another big-time free agent out there. And yeah, I I could see some other players um, who have garnered trade interest. You've actually seen some rumors about Randy Orozarena of the the Tampa Bay Rays perhaps being in trade conversations just over the last day or two. Maybe some others that, that might overshadow Cease. But because of the player's track record, his ability to go to the post 30-something times each year in the last three seasons, his high strikeout ability, his relative down year last year, his very low cost in terms of dollar amount uh, for the next two seasons, and his controllability, which is kind of connected there. He's got two years left of team control this year and next year. Obviously, the White Sox... Uh, having put, uh, as Getz said himself uh, right before the GM meetings, just about everybody in a conversation. Uh, Dylan Cease is one of the top conversations when it comes to the winter meetings. Now, leading up to really last night, uh, maybe Thursday night a little bit, it was uh, November 30th when Ken Rosenthal put one of his latest pieces out on The Athletic and kind of went through some of the headlines in and around the winter meetings. Now, there are some he wrote about that concern the division as a whole that we'll get to a little bit later on that I I find pretty interesting in terms of um, weighing a competitive balance between the White Sox and Guardians and Rays and uh, Rays, pardon, I'm looking at uh, the the headline for Radio Rosarena on my computer, Uh, not the Rays. Of course, the Tigers kind of being those teams toward the top of the division and pushing to build as opposed to subtracting. You know, the Twins are are one of those teams that's subtracting a a little bit here from a payroll standpoint, and we'll get to that in a bit too. But let me read you this from Rosenthal's latest. It's just a couple of graphs, and and after this I'm going to ask you, the White Sox fan, a, a fairly simple question that I think has a lot of potential answers to it. Here's how Rosenthal writes it up. And remember... You know, like like I said, leading up to you know this report from Rosenthal on, like I said, late, late Thursday night, most people, including myself, felt that all of a sudden here a Dylan Cease deal was getting imminent. You know, like it, like it may be done before the winter meetings started, and you know certainly there's what twelve hours left or something like that, twenty four hours left before the winter meetings officially begin. So there's still time for Chris Getz and some other team to consummate a trade. But here's how Rosenthal wrote this up uh, the other night. New White Sox general manager, he writes, Chris Getz, is telling clubs that he will likely wait to move on right-hander Dylan Cease until after the top free agent starting pitchers sign, according to Major League sources briefed on the discussions. Getz could act sooner if he gets an offer to his liking, perhaps from a team such as the Orioles or Reds, who are expected to refrain from the top of the free agent market. But the advantage of waiting is obvious. Here's the big part. The urgency of certain teams will only increase if they miss out on Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Blake Snell, and company, Rosenthal writes. Some clubs face such an acute shortage of pitching, they might be in on cease even if they sign a top free agent. 
The Dodgers, for example, need multiple starters. The Cardinals, sources say, remain interested in Cease even after signing Sonny Gray, Kyle Gibson, and Lance Lynn. It would be uncharacteristic of the Reds and Orioles to jump the market, and their appetite for Cease is unlikely to diminish if the White Sox wait. Cease, entering his age 28 season, is under club control for two more years, one more than fellow trade candidates Corbin Burns of the Brewers, Tyler Glasnow, currently of the Rays, and Shane Bieber of the Guardians. Cease's combined salary and arbitration over the next two seasons will learn something in the $25 million range. Glass now, entering his age 30 season, will earn $25 million alone in 2024. Over the last couple of weeks, that's the end of Rosenthal's uh, little blurb there on Dylan Cease. It's, it's well-written. It's Rosenthal, so you know it's well-sourced and well-reported. And this is kind of what we've been talking about around the White Sox and Dylan Cease here over the last couple of weeks. And I... You know, for one, while last year was what it was, and I don't mean just in terms of Cease, for the whole organization, for the franchise, this was a um, this was a franchise altering 2023, and unfortunately, because of a uh, sub 500 record, because of a very tough, tough season, changes were made, and a new direction is clearly underway. We're going to get to one more rumor that that surrounds another potential free agent ad, uh, veteran free agent ad that the White Sox might be interested in here that kind of points more, even more, in this direction. But it seems that Getz, with the additions of all five players that he got, that the White Sox got in return for Aaron Bummer to the Braves and Paul DeYoung, now signed to be the shortstop for the White Sox, which you know we'll play some audio from Paul DeYoung here in a little bit, in case you're just joining the show. It seems as though the push by Getz in the front office is to acquire guys who can be a part of bringing along that next, I hesitate to say generation of impact White Sox, but but definitely next class. You know, generation to me implies that it is years before that next impact group of players really arrives. And I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case, especially if the next move for the White Sox is trading Dylan Cease. Now, here's why. When you read through the Rosenthal piece, and I like I read it for you, you can find that on The Athletic. They do great work, and Rosenthal does too. When you read through that last paragraph that he writes, that Rosenthal writes about Dylan Cease, saying he's entering his age 28 season, under control for two more years, one more year, twice as much time as a guy like Corbin Burns, Tyler Glasnow, and Shane Bieber, who are all on the block, it seems, at some degree here leading into the winter meetings. He's owed $25 million or so over the next two years through arbitration. Glasnow on his own is going to earn $25 million next season. The cost is right. The age is right. The dependability is right. A team's opportunity to maybe buy low, considering Cease did not have a great season in 23, especially when you compare it to the Cy Young runner-up season he had in 22, this makes Dylan Cease one of the most attractive pitching pieces to add to a contender that's on the market. I mean, I think you could even make the argument that outside of Shohei Otani, who will not pitch next year, he might be the most interesting guy to add. I mean, sure, you've got Cody Bellinger, and you have a couple of Japanese pitchers, Yoshinobu Yomoto, who at the top of the list, who are going to be added for, for cash only and not prospect cost. But still, given the low, low cost, relative low, low cost of Dylan Cease, this means that Chris Getz has one of 
the most dialed phone numbers leading into the winter meetings, I would think. And while I definitely have some mixed feelings about the White Sox being in a place, both being in a place where trading Dylan Cease makes some good baseball sense and also some mixed feelings given the fact that I, I mean, listen, I, I've, I've really enjoyed watching Dylan Cease pitch. I started doing the White Sox pre and post game show in 2016, and that was, you know, I mean, the, kind of the beginning of Dylan's 16 and 17, kind of the beginning of Dylan Cease being a big part of this White Sox franchise future, of the future of the franchise, better put. And I, you know, I remember hearing on the backfields just how well he was pitching, the stuff he had, the growth potential that was there in Dylan Cease. And it, it always hurts to give up on a guy who you know, technically wasn't homegrown, drafted by the Cubs, and then acquired in the deal for Jose Quintana. But it's as close as you get, I think, in this day and age, without being actually you know, drafted or signed as an amateur free agent to that team. It's, it's really close. And I've got, a, I've got an affinity to Dylan Cease, and I think a lot of White Sox fans do as well. But given where things got to last season – and given what the state of the franchise is heading forward into 2024, it remains, the, the baseball math of this remains fairly clear. Can you compete in 2024? Maybe, the White Sox, maybe with some good ads and some better performance from established veterans who are looking for better health, yeah, you could. Um, and then could turns into 2025. How much of that question is the same? At that point, you're dealing with a Dylan Cease that is heading off into free agency if a long-term extension hasn't been signed, and we've talked on shows prior about how difficult that might be. I mean, listen, if you're Dylan Cease and you pitch two more good seasons, whether you're here with the White Sox or elsewhere, you're going to be at age 30 a guy looking at a massive contract given the fact that he's likely going to make, you know, likely to make 30 starts again or or in that range and be one of the more dependable right-handed arms out there plus the stuff that that he's got and the bounce back ability that I think he has in 2024. So from that baseball calculus, you know, that kind of standpoint you can absolutely see why everybody's riding up Dylan Cease as one of the most attractive and likely trade pieces heading into the winter meetings. My question for you on the show, though, is this. Given where the White Sox are and, and who they've signed and, and how Chris Getz has kind of talked about the future of this team, the immediate future, right, 24 and 25, if the White Sox were to move Dylan Cease, do you, as a White Sox fan, then prefer to see the rest of big-name players kind of shopped around and maybe even dealt. And I'm not just talking this winter, but maybe up to the trade deadline. That means Eloy Jimenez and I almost shudder to think Luis Robert Jr., the guys that have been Andrew Vaughn, the guys that are there and are, you know, Tent poles of this of this franchise and and that lineup and that pitching staff and and perhaps even I guess bullpen to a lesser degree because so many were traded over the last season or in last year's deadline, but if Cease goes, would you rather see more trades made for more assets brought in, or are you are you happy enough? Are you understanding enough of where this thing needs to go that Dylan Cease going means you keep essentially. Luis Robert Jr. I know 
I know I've got a, a stance on this, and I'll tell you what it is after the break, although I've likely given it away over the last couple weeks of shows. But I want to know if you've got a particular stance on this, too. Does moving one mean you need to move the other in your estimation? We'll talk about some of those rumors that have been circling the White Sox here. There's a new one that's got a, a veteran player involved. We'll tell you who that is and how it fits into Chris Getz's offseason plan so far. And we'll hear from new White Sox shortstop Paul DeYoung in just a little bit here on the show. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. 1000. Sox fans, 2024 ticket plans are available right now. Be here for the biggest matchups and exciting new promotions throughout the season, including opening day on March 28th. Ticket plans include great benefits such as ticket exchange program, special events, savings on single games, and more. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash 2024. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Got you until 3 o'clock this afternoon. We've been talking about the big headline around the White Sox, Dylan Cease. Will he, will they, uh, will they trade him? Yeah, that's, that's really the conversation. Will Dylan Cease get moved? It is looking increasingly uh, like, yes, a trade is going to be made. And I, I say that because that's what the Bigfoot reporters are talking about. That's what's the conversation at the winter meetings. That's what it's kind of revolving around. Obviously, some big free agents like Otani and Cody Bellinger and all those other guys, but and a pretty good free agent class of, of pitchers. Uh, but in case you missed the opening of the show, Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic reported the other night that it seems the White Sox may be more willing to wait until some of those big names get signed, uh, free agents get signed, and then kind of shop Dylan Cease around in terms of a trade target and get some value out that way. Now, I posed a question to you before the break here, and that is, if how would you prefer it to be done? You know, at, at what point would you say, stop, that's good, let's build from here? Is it after a Dylan Cease trade? If Dylan Cease is moved, does that mean to you that more trades ought to happen for the White Sox as they look to kind of you know, we do this all the time in baseball offseason. If you're, if you're not a team that's adding, then are you a team that's rebuilding, retrenching, retooling, revamping, re The White Sox are a re-team at this point. They're re-something-something, and it almost doesn't matter what category or, or exactly what you determine it. What matters is what category the White Sox feel they're in. It matters what category they feel the rest of the division is in. And to that end, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this at the at the top, but also in this Ken Rosenthal piece, he, he details the, the Rangers, which is uh, less germane to the White Sox conversation, and the Guardians as two teams most in jeopardy of losing their rights deals with the Diamond Sports Group. I don't know how closely you have followed the baseball RSN, the regional sports network stories here over the last, um, call it two years, uh, but there are teams and regional sports networks that have um, in various places and states declared bankruptcy and had to revamp their RSN, their their cable contracts. And I bring this into the comp. This isn't necessarily like a, a broadcast economy 101 course or anything like that. But the Guardians, Rosenthal writes, 
got $55 million from their deal with the Diamond Sports Group in 2023. Apparently, that's actually from Cleveland.com. Rosenthal cites that, so that's worth saying. That's not insignificant money, obviously. And it, it may be part of the reason why, over the last couple of days, we've seen Shane Bieber's name pop up more and more in trade rumors. And it may be why it was floated the other day that the Guardians may be willing to deal Emmanuel Classe, despite the fact that they just signed him to a long-term contract. The Guardians, potentially, in losing some money here, may be having to shed some talent, some some big-time talent in Bieber and especially Classe, one of the best, if not the best, closers uh, going right now. Now, I say that to kind of put the White Sox in context as well. As you've likely noticed, the Twins are cutting some payroll, Sonny Gray is no longer going to be a Minnesota twin. He's headed to the St. Louis Cardinals to team up in a rotation with former White Sox Lance Lynn. Oh, speaking of former White Sox, just about two hours ago, we saw the news. Uh, Joe Kelly is going to resign with the, or has resigned rather, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So that got done. I guess he's got to agree to a physical. And if we learned anything last year, last offseason, is that we have to, have to pay attention to those physicals. Because otherwise, you know, if you don't, Carlos Correa goes from the Mets to the Giants and then to the Twins, and then you got to potential star shortstop in your division that you did not anticipate, at least uh, not for about three weeks. So if you have other teams in your division, and this is something Chris gets and, and really a lot of people have talked about as it regards the White Sox over the last two years or so and, and into the next two years, if this division, the AL Central itself, is one where you know the financial terms for a team like the Guardians – and potentially a, a team like the Tigers are a little bit, and the Twins, a little bit unsettled, right? That's not to say that they won't figure out their valuable assets. And, you know, when those deals get signed, those cable network deals get signed, that that money will be back and available to Major League Baseball teams. Just in the immediate term, if those are unsettled numbers, then... In a division that's already kind of up for grabs, maybe 83, 85 wins gets this division a playoff spot and the chance to go deep into the playoffs. What did we say all after the World Series and and for weeks after this and and for weeks up to the trade deadline last year? All you've got to do now with an expanded playoff field is get in and give yourself a chance. Getting in in this AL Central may be one of the easier things to do. So how much does the rest of the landscape for Chris Getz play into his decision to trade or not trade Dylan Cease, to trade or not trade Luis Robert Jr. even? I mean, there's there's almost, there's very little doubt in my mind that the White Sox, as currently constructed, could deal Dylan Cease, hold on to Luis Robert Jr., and still be a contending ball club as quick as 2025. I I firmly believe they could do that. Now, there's a a lot of conversation around Luis Robert Jr., especially over the last few days on on White Sox Twitter. I've seen some some really smart people I really like uh, the the baseball opinion of kind of offer this up. You know, if, if you are at this point where you're starting to move pieces around, then let's really examine the idea of moving Luis Robert Jr. now. I... Personally, I'd like to see that superstar stay put and and build around him best you can. But I guess that's me talking, that's anybody talking, before you know what a return would look like for Dylan Cease. I mean, at the end of the day, like we talked about in the first segment, 
whatever team is trading for Dylan Cease or may trade for Dylan Cease is going to get him at a relative low point in his production. But that is also going to be somebody that is under a, a, a very convenient or or rather helpful team control number two more years and and a low dollar amount as well so he still remains one of the one of the bright and shiny pieces available at the winter meetings come tomorrow i i think there are a lot of factors here long way around of saying that the white Sox are looking at in terms of who they're adding when they're adding and when they think they can be competitive next i don't know that if let's say for instance the White Sox have just decided. You know, like Chris Getz woke up today, the pros and cons, the list was made, and they go, yep, all right, it is our best interest to trade Dylan Cease. If you don't get what you need to get for Cease, then you don't move him. I mean, this isn't a move-at-any-cost kind of player. This is still a guy who can go out there and compete, and because of his durability, you'd feel at least better than talking about some other players who, who don't have his durability, throwing him out there and waiting until the deadline to move him, something like that. I'm not saying that'd be the ideal route that you might want to take. After all, he's more valuable to you if you're able to offer more starts from Dylan Cease to whatever team is interested in acquiring him. But you could still do that if you needed to, if that marketplace didn't you know, kind of manifest itself the way that you'd like it to given where certain players go in free agency and what other trades might happen. That was Rosenthal's report um, just the other night, is that the White Sox might be more inclined to wait until some of the seats on the carousel have filled up uh, before deciding the best place or, or, or identifying the best place to move Dylan Cease. Now, I think that's true, too. And after the other side of the break, we'll get you to uh, the, the newest trade rumor or the newest name that's out there as a rumor for the White Sox. We'll hear from White Sox shortstop Paul DeYoung as well. Um, but I think that's... The the issue with Cease and, and the Rosenthal report that we've been talking about all show so far is that the Reds and Orioles are both teams that seem reluctant at this point to add a lot of salary, but also seem really motivated to add top-tier starting pitching. And Dylan Cease can accomplish both of those things, be relatively cheap and still be a top-tier starting pitcher. So you could see all of these guys sign in some places, and the Reds and Orioles, at the very least, could still be teams highly motivated to make that deal. Both have some top-tier minor leaguers in their system. The Orioles have one of the best systems in all of baseball. Guys that are close to the big leagues, uh, if not having played a little big league ball already, and could be prime trade targets. So just some interesting things there as we get closer and closer to the start of the winter meetings tomorrow. When we come back, a, a, a veteran player's name is in rumors concerning the White Sox, and we'll hear from White Sox shortstop Paul DeYoung on the other side of Quick Break. I'm Connor McKnight. It's White Sox Weekly. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Stay out of the elements in 2024. Located on the 200 level behind home plate, the Guaranteed Rate Club offers all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and complimentary parking. Plans start at 20 games. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash GRC or call or text 312-674-1000. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. Uh, we'll get to the phones in just a moment. 312-332-3776. 
But I did tell you before the break, we had one name, a veteran catcher, mentioned in a, uh, a, a free agent rumor, a hot stove report from uh, MLB.com's Mark Feinsand that was connected to the White Sox. Martin Maldonado of the Houston, or long of the Houston Astros, not only of the Houston Astros, but long of the Houston Astros, apparently has been getting some interest from the Chicago White Sox. The Astros were apparently interested in a reunion with Maldonado, so says Feinsand, but also uh, the Padres and Marlins, and White Sox are interested. Here's the little blurb. Uh, MLB trade rumors. If you're not familiar, this is a really good, I, if you if, if you're listening, you likely know MLB trade rumors. But let me just read you the write up. Obviously, the White Sox um, have Corey Lee. Things did not go well for Lee offensively. Thought he got a lot better defensively in the time that I watched him behind the plate. Still, some things to work on. Some edges to smooth and whatnot. But Corey Lee was uh, brought to the White Sox in the Kendall Graveman trade at the deadline last year. Offensively, a lot of work to do. The Sox also have Edgar Caro in the system. He was in the Giolito Lopez trade with the Angels, but he's very young, 20 years old, playing at double A. And it kind of goes back to something that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Chris Getz and the White Sox adding players that look like, in the case of Nicky Lopez and Paul DeYoung and and if, if Maldonado were to be added, of course, you'd have to outbid Houston, I suppose, or offer a better situation than Houston one way or the other. Um, then you're bringing in players who can lead so others can follow. And, and depending on what happens with Dylan Cease here and, and who would get brought back in a potential Dylan Cease trade, it's likely that you're going to have some young pitchers in that White Sox rotation and in the bullpen. Maldonado's got an exceptional reputation in terms of working with pitchers. Now, the framing has gone down a little bit over the years. Still pretty good arm back there behind home plate. The blocking and receiving numbers fluctuate a little bit, but the the reputation and how Maldonado works with his battery mates, I mean, it's it's unparalleled. It's the stuff of legend. The, The Astros have kept him around. Well, being a World Series contender, low these last five, six seasons, seven, eight seasons, and they, you know, they don't care if he doesn't hit. That's the kind of catcher that he is. Um, I could see some value here in Martin Maldonado on the White Sox for sure. It is, however, another you know defense slash run prevention ad that doesn't come with a big time bat. So. It's that sort of direction, adding players that can lead so others can follow. And you would imagine whether that's Corey Lee or Edgar Caro or another catcher that that might get added or another guy that rises through the system, uh, Maldonado could be that kind of guy. 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. In South Bend, Mark is on the phone and now on White Sox Weekly. What's up, Mark? Hey, Connor, how you doing? Good talking with you. You know, I'm worried now that Chris Getz, is signing on a bad thing here. Uh, this DeYoung we got was a negative war player, and they're going to wait on bringing Colson Montgomery up. Colson Montgomery ought to be brought up from spring training and get 500 at bats. Oh, they're no. talking about they're, they're, now they're talking about letting also Dylan Cease go. Well, they're not talking about letting him go, Mark. They're talking about potentially trading Dylan Cease. Those are two very different things. Right for for prospects. And and Mike, my, my and, and unless you know the trades they made, if these two left-handers, the one they got from Miami Eater, and the other left-hander uh, they got from the Angels, uh, Bush, if if they don't turn into like a Steve Carlton and, and a Warren Spahn, that team might lose 111 games, and Chris Getz's signature is going to be all over it. Well, Mark, I appreciate the phone call, my man. I, I think we're a little bit skewed in terms of uh, the relativity of these things. 
nobody you trade for is going to turn into Carlton, and that's just not what happens here. I, I do think, though, like, listen, there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. Uh, that, that's been around for a long time, and DeYoung got a one-year deal, and, and that is that's is what it is. He, We're going to hear from Paul DeYoung in just a little bit here, like literally moments, so stay tuned. Uh, he talked pretty honestly about where he's been offensively the last couple of seasons, and I think you might find his answer to a question or two here somewhat interesting. I, I do get the idea here, right? Like, the White Sox have been they've they've been tough over the last two seasons, being 500 and under last year as much as they were struggling to find traction. This is a team that's trying to I don't know refine itself. I guess is is a good a term as any here over the over this winter meetings and in next season. What what needs to happen there, unfortunately, at times is is trading away good players. Nobody's asking you to like. You know, that kind of idea. Nobody's asking you to like trading a, a guy like Dylan Cease if indeed it does come around. But what comes back for Dylan Cease is, is yet to be seen. I wouldn't be, you, you said, Mark said rather, and I think we let him go. So appreciate the phone call, Mark. Um, but if, if they do trade Dylan Cease, I would expect guys a lot closer to major league ready than I would your, I don't know, like A-ball 19-year-old prospects, uh, your lottery ticket types. You, you might get a guy like that in return, but I would imagine the headliners are dudes that, if aren't ready opening day, would be ready qu- pretty quickly. And just the last thing there on Colson Montgomery, I don't want to see more prospects pushed past levels at, at, at this point. Montgomery had a back injury at the start of last season. I'd love to see him play some healthier baseball. Now, he did in the Arizona Fall League and opened a lot of eyes. So that's that's a half a check mark, if not a full check mark, toward that direction. But it's worth pointing out. He's also a six foot four defender. Most of those guys at shortstop don't stick at the position. There's a ton of hope that Colson Montgomery can, but at this point, you you gotta go. We don't know yet, like you would with almost any prospect, right? It's very rare for a guy like um, I don't know Andrelton Simmons to come up through the system and you point at the guy and go that that is a Gold Glove shortstop with zero concerns whatsoever defensively, right? Those those are. Those are rare. That's why they're super prospects, even if even if you hit like Andrelton Simmons. Um, and then the other part, too, there is he hasn't played AAA baseball at this point. I'd like to see him play a little AAA, start the year in uh, start the year with Charlotte and, and see what happens there. Uh, be, make him move, if, if it is Paul DeYoung, make him move Paul DeYoung off shortstop with his play at AAA. I'd be happy to see that. Thrilled to see that, to be honest with you. Let's take one more here uh, from, it says Southport on the screen. I don't know if you're just driving up and down the Southport corridor, Joseph, but if you are, it's a, it's a fine place. And Sather's no longer on Southport, but still a nice spot. Joseph, what's on your mind, man? Yeah, so I was just thinking about, I know you touched on it earlier, but I think trading, trading Dylan Cease, while he's of value right now and the hype is all around him, would probably be the best thing for this organization right now. He was a Cy Young candidate in people's minds last year, but honestly, when I was when I was watching him pitch, when he's on, he's an ace. But his control hasn't been consistent this year, and I feel like the state of this team, letting him go and, and getting value for him, trading him and getting value would be the best thing. Joe, appreciate you, my man. I, I think it's a well-reasoned take. I really do, especially when you've got two teams. We mentioned it earlier, the Cincinnati Reds and Baltimore Orioles, who would seemingly be really willing to trade from a deep pot of prospects for Dylan Cease. And, you know, Getz has talked often 
this offseason about being able to multiply. And, and in my mind, that means moving one player for many players. <laughs> we saw that done one for five in Aaron Bummer to the Braves for Soroka and, and Nicky Lopez and uh, Shoemake and Jordan Schuster um, and Riley Gowans. If I got all those names right, I'm really thankful. Um, but yeah, I think it's Riley Gowans toward the bottom of that prospect list. But even still, you know, you, you, you've got to do that again to increase the depth here. And I, I think the other part there that, that Joseph is kind of pointing at is, is an opinion that I have. Depth wins baseball games in the long haul, right? A good, deep organization that's got the ability to to deal with some injuries, some underperformance, maybe be, maybe needing to make a trade at some point in the season to free some spots up for young players or, or others who are pushing for more playing time. It's depth that's really going to win you things. And in order to acquire depth at times, you've got to A, draft well, and you've got to B, Make some trades for bulk and hope that two of the five guys that you got from the Braves doesn't almost doesn't matter who you know turn into uh, solid contributors, right? I, I think that's a general approach to it, and I think Joe's Joe's right on here. Let's hear a little bit from um, let's hear a little bit from Paul DeYoung. You know, instead we're going to do a little producing on the fly here. We're going to take the break and we come back because there's a lot of good sound from Paul DeYoung, new White Sox, White Sox shortstop, and I don't want to have to cut any of it short going to commercials, so we'll. We'll play this in our our final segment of White Sox Weekly when we come back. Uh, A fresh look at shortstop for the White Sox. Paul DeYoung is going to be that guy, an exceptional glove guy, and a guy who's looking to get it fixed at the plate, and he talks pretty honestly about how that work, uh, how he's gone about that work this offseason. You'll hear it on the other side. I'm Connor McKnight. It's ESPN 1000. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White, White Sox, Sox Weekly. Weekly. ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Give the gift of White Sox baseball with a holiday flex pack starting at $49. Get six ticket vouchers redeemable for more than 60 games throughout the 2024 season. Plus, get early access to opening day tickets. Learn more at whitesox.com slash holiday packs. I'm Connor McKnight. We are closing it up here on White Sox Weekly, but not before you hear from new White Sox shortstop Paul DeYoung was signed to a one-year deal uh, in the middle of last week. Wednesday, I believe, is when that got made official. Uh, had his press conference with White Sox beat reporters, and I thought had some uh, earnest and honest answers about a couple of different things regarding his game, his fit with the White Sox, and the future of this particular team, at least for 2024. Uh, we'll open it up this way. He was asked about his conversation with White Sox manager Pedro Grafol, and in this, you're going to hear just kind of the... Um, I don't know, the, the, the comfort of fit, perhaps, between player and manager and ball club right now. Yeah, I had a good talk with Pedro. Um, he's excited to have me over, and uh, I'm excited to to join this team and, and play for him. He he seems like he has uh, uh, the right idea as far as where he wants to take this team, um, playing more fundamental baseball. Um, I think we have a great core of guys that, that can uh, contribute greatly to this team, and so he expected me to uh, to have some uh, defensive stability for him and uh, some sort of veteran leadership as far as um, kind of taking care of the young guys, um, being able to communicate certain things about the game, um, analyzing, uh, you know, certain plays and being able to just really kind of 
be a leader on the field. And as a shortstop, that's kind of a natural thing when it comes to, to playing the game. So, um, yeah, my talks have been great with Pedro. The, nothing too specific, but, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go into spring training to try to earn my position and, and uh, solidify myself as an everyday player. A little bit of choppy internet with uh, DeYoung over the press conference. But uh, the, the gist is right there. I, I think, too, you know, whether it's Pedro or Chris Getz, the, the conversation has been around, around adding defense, a, a lot better defense to this ball club. So DeYoung talked about that specifically, was asked about that specifically. Yeah, I really take pride in, in my defensive um, abilities. I think that's something that I worked on for a, a long time with Jose Okendo um, in the Cardinals organization, just playing the shortstop position, being a fundamental player. So I think I bring kind of just that steady, um, make the fundamental plays, uh, help our pitchers out, get outs, make double plays, just uh, trying to be a staple. Um, I'm excited to work with Nicky Lopez up the middle. He's uh, always been somebody I've enjoyed watching uh, play. And so I think the biggest thing is the fundamentals. It's not trying to be flashy. It's not trying to force things. For me, it's about making the plays and then uh, preparing, um, doing my work pregame, talking with the other infielders with our communication, um, going after the game, if things happen in the game, going into the video room, talking it over, deciding, you know, what, what needed to be done? What did we do right? What did we do wrong? Um, things like that. Just really trying to 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 focus in on the little details. Um, I think, you know, as a defender, you have to be fully locked in. We have to, you know, play all sides of the ball. And so, when we're out there on defense, we got to, you know, really focus in. When we're when we're on the bases, we got to focus in on running. And uh, obviously, when you're at the plate, it's that that focus. So. Being able to separate the game, I think, is is the biggest part. He talked to uh, about the the perspective he was able to gain from last year. Three different teams for him just last season. I would say just being able to uh, learn about the communication and learning about other organizations, about you know um, how different teams do different things, and I got a really great perspective because I was only in St. Louis um, for you know seven years, and then being able to see two other organizations right after that really gave me some perspective on who I think I need to be and who, who I want to be as a player and what types of things I think I can bring to a team. And so I was able to really um, see the differences and um, trying to pick and choose what I'd like to continue on with um, as far as my preparation, um, communication with coaches. I mean, attention to detail. There's a lot of little things that um, you can really see because you get to see the differences between the organizations and so I think um, the biggest one for me would, would be just, you know, how I approach the game um, from, a, from a preparation standpoint. Um, I really got to see what I wanted to do. DeYoung also detailed his struggles over the last couple of years offensively and exactly how he's working this offseason to rectify those issues. Yeah, I'm going to be working out here down at uh, Cressy's Sports Performance. A lot of minor league and major league guys work out here in Jupiter. Um, I'm going to focus on the contact rate, like you said, putting the ball in play, especially hard the other way to the other field, um, opposite field, and uh, let my natural power happen. Um, you know, when I get pull side happy, that's when that's when I kind of get more swing and miss and um, get fooled a little bit more. So. 
I think I'm going to focus on hitting hard line drives, um, you know, up the middle and the other way. And, you know, my natural swing will open up uh, on breaking balls and other things. Um, so I'm going to just be working at Cressy's and um, doing my infield and um, hitting stuff over there and uh, doing my workouts um, as well. So it's a good group of guys over there. and I'm excited to, to work with some of them. And that kind of approach could benefit DeYoung at Guaranteed Rate Field next season. That is going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Big thanks to Jack, Jack McGrath, our producer. We will be back next week from 2 until 3 on this same channel, ESPN 1000. Have a great afternoon.